and the sky's the limit. I'm going straight to the top. Macho man, the sky's the limit. I am the cream of the crop. Dep, 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 dep into a Slim Jim. Boom, yeah, boom, boom, yeah. Dep, 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 dep into a Slim Jim. Boom, yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is February, which means it is time for the monthly update of the Orlando Soccer Show. Hi, hello, everyone. My name is Austin David, here with Gavin Eubank. And today we are going to run down everything that has happened in the last month when it comes to Orlando City, Orlando Pride, and guess what just started? College soccer, UCF men and women's seasons underway. We're going to run down everything that is happening in the landscape of Orlando soccer. But first off, Gavin, how's it going? It's going pretty well. And that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's going pretty well. I think since the last time we recorded, I got my new Xbox. Um, so I've been enjoying a lot of that. Um, a lot of Call of Duty and been playing the NASCAR, um, the latest NASCAR game. Which has mm. kind of repiqued my interest in that. Um, so that's so been a lot of a lot of driving around in circles. Then, yeah, pretty much between that and Forza, um, Forza Horizon, and the Burnout Paradise Remaster. Just a lot of driving. Hmm. Well, and I guess you could say with Call of Duty, um, I use the RCXD kill streak a lot as well. And when you have that on Nuketown, you you certainly do a lot of driving as well. This is true. This is very true. Well, we're, we won't bore you guys talking about video games. Uh, we're not going to be well. here. We, we, we could be here for <laughs> hours doing that. I don't think anyone cares enough that listens to this show, specifically this episode where we're actually going to be talking about soccer, uh, that will care enough about video games to stick with us for like two hours and then we get into soccer. So we'll get into soccer we'll now. We'll save that. Yeah, we'll save that for like the Twitch streams that we always say we're going to do and then never do. <laughs> I mean, I think Brent is the only one that actually actively has a Twitch stream, but he never I have a Twitch comes on account the show anymore. And so. I have it connected, yes. Yeah, Brent is Yeah, back but to how many dead. followers do you have? Oh, probably like one. I mean, I don't yeah, think exactly. I've actually ever streamed on it yet, but... There you go. I got to figure out like, your what is going to be worth doing with that. Maybe I'll do it tonight. You know, I've got the time... We'll hop on Call of Duty and we'll play that tonight. Which, for the people listening to this, will have already commented. It's, it's already done. Like it, <laughs> would, it already wouldn't have happened. <laughs> All right, so let's that. let's get into Orlando City stuff. We will start with the most recent news. Work our way backwards in time to when we last recorded, and then we will go into the Pride and UCF as well. So, starting off, Alexandra Pato signs for Orlando City for a one-year deal plus an option year. This was a move that was, I mean, both of us were confused about because, let's face it, the direction that this club has taken over the last year does not tell you that this is the signing that would be the next one for the Lions. Yeah, this was this was a dumpster fire Orlando City signing, not a post-dumpster fire Orlando City signing. Yeah. But here's the thing with with Pato. He's not, like, past his prime. Well, he is past his prime. I I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. His prime was, like, when he was in his 20s. 
Uh, but he is not worthless, I guess. Listen, he's 31 I think years he's, old. He's, he's around, if anything, he's just younger than Kaká was when Kaká signed with Orlando City. And even that was right, viewed but, as another but, aging superstar coming to America to retire. But also, Kaká won a Ballon d'Or. Alexandre Pato hasn't done anything since, like, Milan, basically. In 2013, he left Milan to go back to Brazil, and ever since then, it's been kind of struggle bus for him. Outside of his move to China, where he played for Tanjin Tanhai, I think I pronounced that right, he scored 30 goals in 47 games. He was much better than the competition there. Uh, but then again, most players that come from overseas that go to play in China are, and it really wasn't fair to them. And it makes it makes him look a lot better than maybe he is. Mm-hmm. L- listen, at least he can prove that he could score goals. I watched some highlights of him when he was in China. His free kick taking is is supreme. He's still got like good whip on the ball. He's still got good pace, good ball control. Like he still got something that he had when he was in his prime in Milan back from 07 to 2013. And the funny thing is, he played with Kaká back in the day. So another connection to the club, besides him being Brazilian and having played with Kaká, is that he played against Orlando City back in the day as well. Back in 2014, Orlando played Sao Paulo in a friendly at the Disney Wild World of Sports Complex. And he came on as a sub. And I remember sitting there, it's like, wow, Alexander Ponto, you know, and the, I remember him. And then I, I saw the name pop up the other day, and I was like, wow, I remember him. It was the same reaction from 2014 to 2021. There was literally no difference. So that kind of just says everything in a nutshell, right? His prime was so long ago that you're like, yeah, I remember him. And... It's going to be a depth signing at this point. Like, yeah, he's a big name. He's a notable name. People know him and remember him. But the big question is, can he actually provide something for this club, which is on the up and up? You know, it's funny is I'm getting, I'm recalling back to 2015 when Orlando City signed Martin Patterson. And the joke was, oh, Orlando City signed Pato. Like, wow. Like, oh, hearty, har, har. Like, that at the time, yeah, making that joke would have been a really good thing. And that would have been a big signing for Orlando City. Fast forward six years later, and now it's, hey, Orlando's actually signing Pato. And everyone's reaction is kind of like, really? Like, that's what they're doing? But listen, you know, you, you've mentioned all the positives and, you know, kind of the pros and cons there to a lot of this. But Orlando really saved themselves by kind of going on the fact that it's a one-year deal He's reportedly not even making TAM money, the bonuses or whatever. Like, we don't know for sure what he's making, but it can reach up to that level, which in that event, as long as he's not making a million dollars, it is what it is. But I don't, it's like you said, it's at the very least, it's depth signing. We don't know how long Daryl DK is going to be gone. At the very least, he'll probably be gone April possibly made depending on how far Barnsley get in the championship if they get to the playoff or not but so you're going to need somebody there because Tesho Akindali is not exactly your top tier striker that you're going to want to get through those first several games of the season with so it helps to have that you know when you look at the roster and you look at the depth I mean 
kind of look around and see where things are. Matthias Ayas, Alexander Alvarado, Alexander Pata. Like, you kind of see the, the name jumps up there and you kind of get a little bit more confident in that group of forwards when when you look past Daryl DK. I mean, even kind of Benji Michelle um, when you get past him. But other than that, depth at that position is something that Orlando needed. And at the very least, they get that. Whether or not it's going to be quality depth at the end of the day, that obviously will have to you know be seen over time. Right. And, and, and the thing with this depth, is that specifically with the forward position, everyone brings something different into the mix. Yeah. Right? Now that you bring in Alexandra Pato, who has been known to be a, a pacey player with injury concerns, uh, good ball control, you know, the typical kind of Brazilian flair that you'd expect from a, a high-profile name, uh, somebody that has as good awareness in the final third and, and usually likes to make runs off the shoulders of the defense in on goal, not one that will hold up play and, and play within the box. He kind of likes to do his own thing. Then you have Tesho, who's somewhat similar, but is also somewhat versatile. Same with Pato. He said in an interview a couple uh, years ago that he's not so much a, a forward out-and-out out number nine anymore. He's, he's more of a winger at this point in, in his career. He likes to play off the shoulder of the defense and play out on the wings and cut his way in. That could, again, adds more depth into the positions up front where you have Pato, who could play in place of Nani or in place of Chris Mueller. He could play up top. He could play as a false nine. He can play as an out-and-out out number nine. There are options for Pato. But like I said, you also have Tesha, who is a, a plenty of options for him. He's played on the wings and up top uh, throughout his career as well. Same with Benji. They've put him as the out-and-out striker before, and they've played him out on the wing. Alexander Alvarado, still a bit of an unknown right now because he's he's more of a winger at this point. He's, he's played in place of Nani, but he's also young. He's only 21 years old, and he's barely played with his team. Same with Mateus Ayas. He was brought in as kind of a let's-see-what-he's-got kind of signing. Came from Watford, never really played for Watford, played for their under-23s team. And, and he's a bit of an unknown as well, right? Having a guy like Andres Alexandra Pato to be able to mentor some of these younger guys could be helpful in and of itself, especially for a guy like IS who they see having a very high upside. That could be worth the price of his signing just overall. But it's a lot of versatility, a lot of depth, and a lot of, well, we'll wait and see. Yeah, when I go back to where the very beginning of where that all, where you just started there, the player that you described sounds almost identical to Dom Dwyer. But where it's worth pointing out that those things differ is you mentioned Pato's versatility, the ability to put him in other spots where you're not solely relying on him being the guy at the top of the box because obviously Orlando did that and when he doesn't, contribute or when he doesn't rise to that expectation everything else does not really succeed around it so where you can ask if you're going to get a similar player why not just stick with Dom Dwyer his wife just re-signed with Orlando for the three years you know you could probably get him on a pretty similarly cheap deal to stay but you get a guy that's a little bit more flexible and that is something that Oscar Pereja likes to have on the roster guys that he can just kind of plug and play where the team needs them to be 
Yep, makes it makes you very tactically flexible if you can have guys that'll play at any position in the forward spot. It makes mm-hmm. t- it makes it harder for teams to be able to kind of counter against you if you, they don't know who they're going to be playing on any given night. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's that's a, a definite bonus for this team to be able to have, you know, what seven eight guys that can plug and play within any of the three forward positions that they play: two wingers, one forward. You know, yeah, I mean, Pato Pato could even drop back into the attacking midfield if Mar- Mauricio Pereira needs a break. Mm-hmm. Again, options. I think with you the way look. that Orlando typically plays too is we saw a lot of kind of like a, a three-four system, but they all are interchanging constantly throughout the game. So even if you have Pato starting up front or you got him on the wing, it allows them to constantly mix it up, keep the defense on their toes. And just a really, like you said, tactical flexibility is key here, and it gives Orlando that. Now, whether, like we said, like we've already said, you know, whether or not this works and he is successful is something different, but it sets up Orlando to be successful and for Oscar Pereja to throw everything that he's got at opposing teams now when they when they take the field because you can interchange those guys in and out, you can give them different looks, and it makes Orlando a much more dangerous team than they were last year already at this point right and and the thing with Orlando historically speaking is that they have been able to play with competition but haven't been super dangerous in front of goal last year kind of changed that a bit where they were one of the best scoring offenses in the league you lose Daryl DK for a period of time he's going over to England he's already over there he's already played two games for Barnsley now but he's learning he's understanding a different way of playing that could inevitably help him when he comes back to Orlando if he comes back because if he performs well over there teams might come a call in for him you know the price is set high but if a Premier League says hey that's the kind of player we want in our team they'll pay that because they'll have the money Barnsley probably not but we'll see we will definitely see and 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 again it's it's the contingency plan because if Daryl DK, who has an incredibly high ceiling, eventually gets sold, you cannot be solely reliant on him and expect him to be the guy moving forward. They're already preparing contingency plans for life without Daryl DK if that comes to fruition. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. At the very least, it provides you that insurance that if this is his last season here, or if he doesn't even make it through the end of the season here... As silly as it sounds that Pato at this point in his career is the guy that you think is going to be able to keep up with the production level that Daryl DK, albeit across the span of, what, five months, provided for Orlando City. But he is still a big piece to lose should they lose him, and it does it does provide a little bit of cover in depth critically where they need it, which this is probably the deepest forward group that Orlando's had going into the season. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, again, just looking at the roster, it's not... You have a couple guys that are unproven, but if you just look at Pato, Mueller, Tesho, Nani, Benji, and Daryl, not even including the new guys that we haven't seen much with Alvarado and Ayas, you, you gotta like the chances of Orlando scoring a lot of goals in 2021. Yeah, I mean, assuming you're getting a healthy Mauricio Pereira, you get 
João Moutinho back at some point over the next few months and your offense is filing at the same rate that it was at the, at a minimum at a base level where it was when everybody was healthy last summer, then ugh, this is, I mean, this is a team that's going to be competing probably top four in the East again. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to look at the roster and see just the discrepancy of age between the team as well. You have a multitude of guys 29 or 25 years and younger. And then you have a couple of guys, I think, what, five now, that are over the age of 30. It's Pereira, Urso, Galese, Pato, oh, and Nani. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Is If you want to say where this Orlando City team was lacking, it was that big game experience that Pato brings. You know, that was kind of... And MLS is back, and especially down the stretch heading into the playoffs, there was that critique on Orlando City. It's like, well, they don't have big game experience because obviously this group has never played big games before. And, you know, they have Nani. But outside of that, where was that really just kind of big game experience to rely on, to lean back on in those moments? And they didn't necessarily have that to a great degree. This brings a little bit more of that, and that's certainly worth having on the team as well. So uh, while we're on the subject of new signings and such, in order for Pato to actually be eligible to sign for this team, they needed an international roster spot, which they traded for on Monday, gave up $175,000 in general allocation money, $150,000 this year, $25,000 next year, to the Columbus crew in exchange for their international roster spot. So they have that settled, which means it costs a little bit more than... It, they probably would have wanted to be able to get Pato here. But, hey, you know, it's Garber Bucks. Who cares? Yeah. <clears throat> it's Major League Soccer. You got to do what you got to do. Major League Soccer. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> That's pretty much their mantra at this point. Like, they just do whatever. Like, everyone yeah. – like, there's always something during an off season where people are like, huh, I didn't know you could do that. But then it's like, ah, it's MLS. Oh, well, uh. who knows? Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, it's the fun of MLS. You never know what's going to happen. Unlike the Premier League, which is just so boring. You know, uh, oh, Man City's going to win the league again. Oh, no. MLS, come watch it for whoever knows what's going to happen. I love this dumb, stupid, impossible to understand, never easy pre- to predict league. Yeah, that's the fun of it. It's I miss it, man. And it sucks that we are still two months away from the start of the regular season. At least we're getting a regular season. There was a there was a possibility of a lockout just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. All things considered, a late start is better than no start. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's major league soccer though for you with eighteen month off seasons and uh, <clears throat> this is what I get for getting a little bit tired of all the games. Uh last you, year you, where you they were just like tired? every yeah. three days there was a game and i was getting so fatigued i was like it was like game day. I was like again like i have to sit there and take notes and write about another game now i miss that i wish i can get that back i would do anything to have 15 games to cover over the next 15 days <laughs> hey she believes cup coming up on thursday there you go there you go there you go all right so we talked about dk on loan let's talk about another signing that has been brought into Orlando, Jonathan Suarez from Querétaro. He has played defense as well as in the midfield over his time in Mexico. He is an American citizen by way of California, born and raised there, and has played most of his career 
over in Mexico, uh, mainly for Queretaro, and he's been on loan to uh, the club that, funny enough, Santiago Patino was loaned to. Uh, but they didn't cross paths because Suarez played in 2018, and obviously uh, Patino played in 2020. So uh, Cimarrones de Sonora, he played in 2018, made 12 appearances, and then most recently he was on the Pumas Tabasco team, which is the not the actual Pumas team, but the, the second Pumas team. Orlando needed a left back. And this is a good, you know, this is hopefully their their option to, to as kind of a stopgap until João Moutinho comes back and healthy, which the last time uh, we recorded, we kind of speculated. We don't know when that's going to be. It could be in May. It could be in July or August. So we'll see. But they filled a spot on the roster. And even when João does come back, left back depth, fullback depth in general was a very sore spot. I would not be surprised. Um, I, well, I guess they technically did take care of some of that with the draft but i would not be surprised to see orlando bring in yet another um veteran experienced some some actual professional minutes under their belt fullback before the season starts yeah i think having one of the issues last year was just fullback depth Mm -hmm. because you ended up having to have kyle smith and huan play at the same time but then was it huan got like a red card and then I was going to say, Juan got hurt at one point, and then it was Kamal Miller and Kyle Smith playing at the same time. And at that point, your only depth was what? Schlegel was like technically the only left fullback capable player. So not an ideal situation. Not ideal at all. And I think they're going to try and avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, You don't want to have to put a goalkeeper at left back. Like it just doesn't really help the team at all. Yeah. Now I'm also curious as to how substitutions will go for 2021 because you had five for 2020 to kind of make up for COVID issues and missing time and you know just general fatigue and fitness. But this year, most likely it'll go back to three. And so with that, question. that that kind of changes things because you're just for for Oscar Pereja and his kind of tactical flexibility. You're not able to make as many changes within the team, and you know sometimes that was very helpful for Orlando City to be able to to score late goals in the in the later halves of games or just general injuries that come up. Uh, so you know it may change how Orlando plays in general. Well, I know the Premier League went back to three at the very beginning of their season, right? But they they demanded that though. They were like, oh, no, it's sanctity of the game." Because it. IFAB last year let this five sub rule go through July 31st of this year. So if that has not been extended, then I would imagine that Orlando, that MLS is not going to do a rule for half the season. So Right. And also, because MLS starts the year after, remember we went through this whole thing with the IFAB rules of the game back when the penalty kicks uh, against NYCFC were going on. We were talking about how the rules had changed for the 2020-2021 season, but because MLS is on, they always play on last year's rules. So coming into this year, they'll be playing on the 2020 uh, rules of the game. And by the time I think June or July comes, they come out with a new set of rules, but those don't apply to MLS. Yeah, regardless I of whatever think, changes they make. I would think that given that we are going to see, because obviously this is not a tightly condensed season like we just saw and that turtle flights are still 
going to happen for every team to every city, I would think that the three-sub rule will probably be in effect from day one. Most likely. Most likely. So we'll see what Orlando City ends up trying to do with left-back depth. In the meantime, they have one in Jonathan Suarez, who is also another tactically flexible player who can play uh, both sides of the defense as a fullback or as a midfielder, if absolutely necessary. So he's also been a forward in his past. He played uh, when he was playing in high school. He uh, was playing at Fontana High School, where Ante Razov, former MLS great, played. And he broke the record that Ante Razov set in high school for goals in a season. So he's fully capable of scoring as well. And he's only 23. Yeah, that's another another uh, interesting point, is that he's young, he's on loan, and I think Orlando does have the option to buy, right? Yeah, they, they always have an option to buy when they come yeah, loans. So. It's a, a, good, a good possible long-term signing for the club. Good possible, yes. Now, speaking of other loans, Orlando City acquired goalkeeper Brandon Austin from Tottenham. He is a dual national as well, and naturally most of the players that they've brought in over the years in general, like they've tried to make them dual nationals as much as possible. And then they also have options to buy. I mean, just look at Andres Perea, right? He was a Colombian dual international because he was born in Tampa, and now he's a fully-fledged American citizen who plays for the U.S. men's national team. Mm-hmm. Brandon Austin, the uh, interesting thing with him, though, Yes, he is an American because of his dad, but his dad's from the U.S. Virgin Islands. And that kind of creates a bit of muddy waters when it comes to eligibility for the U.S. men's national team. I don't know if he's fully eligible or not. He is technically an American because of the U.S. Virgin Islands eligibility-wise and, you know, the the things surrounding that. But um, that requires, like, a whole political debate of if the U.S. Virgin Islands is a you know, state or, you know, area of the U.S., and does that make him eligible now? Mm-hmm. So um, that's something that we'll have to probably address later on if he decides to try and play for the U.S. men's national team. Of course, we're we're talking in, in very broad terms here because who knows what he's going to be able to do for Orlando if he's even going to play in the first place. So with Brandon Austin, he has spent most of his time with Tottenham, He has come out of their youth academy despite being from the area where uh, Watford is. Uh, Somehow he ended up with Tottenham. I'm still trying to figure out how, but he is a young, promising option who has decent upside. And he may end up playing a couple games when Pedro Galese goes out for international duty. I mean, it's important to have because what else do they have? They still needed that backup goalkeeper given that they didn't have one. Brian Rowe is not coming back. Which was a bit surprising, all yeah. things considered. I think for, with, with with Brian Rowe, he could he be his choice. Months ago. Yeah, he, he told us, I think he either told Julia or, or us as like a group on, on a Zoom call once that he was like, he wanted to be close to his family which is up in the Pacific Northwest and maybe sign on as a, a you know keeper for either Vancouver, Portland, Seattle, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean considering he did come from Vancouver, um, it would make sense. 
I don't think they would want him back, though. He wasn't very good. Yeah, I mean, that's not up to him, but <laughs> he can always sign for one of their USL sides if that's what they choose to do. So. Or the Canadian Premier League. That's true. That is growing. That is also a league with a pathway, a possible pathway to Champions League play. So. Yeah, it's possible. And he's he's getting up there in age, you know? He's, he's on the yeah. tail end of his career at this point. Yeah. So, Brandon Austin... Uh, We'll see what he ends up bringing. He was born in 1999. I just want to point that out. Just crazy. Huh. We're getting we're getting to the point where guys are, are born 2000 and over and they're playing professional soccer. And that blows my mind. It's wild. Yeah, it was, uh, it's really wild. All right. Good times. Moving on. Super draft time. Let's talk about the super draft. Classic super draft. Who doesn't love the super draft? I... I it's crazy how they're they're doing that now. Um, I don't know. They're they're like with this year because of college soccer and the way it worked, nobody really played, so everybody was drafting off of previous years' experience. So like, basically, when Daryl DK was still in college, they were drafting off of that year of college soccer because that I was the last only- time most of these guys played. Like, only very few conferences played games this year. I want to say, like, the Big Ten might have played. No, like... they're playing now, Gavin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, there they're play- they're go. they're playing now. Definitely, uh, definitely interesting times. But a lot of these guys, unknown commodities at this point because they haven't played in such a long period of time, they need to be able to adjust into the professional setting and uh, who knows if you're actually going to see a lot of these guys play meaningful minutes for their team going forward. However, having said that, Orlando City saw real value in a number of players, so much so that they traded up to be able to get Derek Dodson out of Georgetown. He has not signed with the team as of yet. Majority of top 10 picks have in fact signed with their team. However, Derek Dodson has not. Something to note that the fact that every single draft pick for Orlando City has yet to sign. That's four of them. So we'll go back to Derek Dodson in a second. I just want to list out who Orlando ended up drafting in the first place. Before we do that, Philip Mayaka, who played at Montverde and with the Orlando City Academy team, he was drafted third overall by the Colorado Rapids. Orlando could have, in theory, tried to pull a, hey, he's homegrown, but he only played academy for a year, and we saw what happened with Santiago Patino when that came up. So I, there was no real way that they were going to be able to do that. So that's just one mention of you know, Orlando City and the, and the other players. Derek Dodson, eighth overall. Rio Hope Gund, also out of Georgetown, picked 19th overall. Brandon Hackenberg, who, if you're familiar with college football, he is the little brother of former Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg. Huh. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, he may have a better career than Christian Hackenberg. Because his, his brother is not... Uh, no. No, he's not anywhere. Familiar. He played practice squad and for the yeah, uh, short-lived XFL, I believe. Oh, okay. Or did he... No. He played for the other league, not the XFL. What was the other league that Orlando was in? 
A F F or something. The American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- the A A F. Right. He was not good. Yeah. Which is why I make the joke that Brandon Hackenberg could be better than Christian Hackenberg. I mean, that's that's what you get for going to Penn State. So. Oof. Shots fired. Yeah. Anywho. Last draft pick picked by Orlando City was Andrew Pannenberg, goalkeeper out of Wake Forest, arguably uh, by most draft analysts, the best goalkeeper in the draft pool. At this point, he is is probably going to be an OCB goalkeeper if they decide to sign him. Uh, with the loan of Brian, uh, Brandon Austin, I don't know what role he'll end up playing if he does. But again, he hasn't signed, and they'll probably bring him into camp to see how he's able to compete and then go from there. Because right now, they have three goalkeepers on roster to Orlando City. They have Pedro, Brandon Austin, and Mason Stadahar, who Mason has yet to play for Orlando City in an official capacity, or even unofficial. I don't think he's actually played in just like a friendly it's crazy because he signed at 17. He's now 23. Like he was one. He was the first homegrown signing when Orlando was in MLS. You could say like, yeah, Tyler Turner, Tommy Redding, but those were before MLS. He was the first signing in actual MLS era when they were playing in MLS, and he hasn't played a game. That just blows my mind. <laughs> I get it. Goalkeepers, bit of a different breed kind of have to to wait your time plus he had cancer very understandable situations but you got to give the kid a chance man he's 23 years old and he hasn't he has barely played professionally he's played like a year with fc tulsa well technically yeah, I mean, they, I, they were the tulsa roughnecks back in the day it feels like we have this conversation like every other month <laughs> um yeah but yeah i i agree with what you're saying yeah, he's played 17 minutes in USL Championship and three, or 17 total games in le- in Championship, and then three games with OCB last year in 2020, which was a very shortened season. And you know, with with OCB not coming back, who knows what's going to happen with him now? Do they loan him out to another USL Championship club? Do they loan him out to a League One club? Do they keep him around and have him play with the practice squad? I don't know. Right. As we wrap up this Orlando City section, as we head into the Orlando Pride, preseason officially starts March 8th. They arrive on March 1st, quarantine for a period of time, and then get ready to begin. And the regular season will start April 17th. There is no news on actual preseason games, if they are able to play them in the first place, if they're going to be able to have just general friendlies against other MLS teams, if they're going to be able to travel. That is all not figured out yet the only thing we know they'll show up on march 1st starts march 8th season starts april 17th that's it that's all we know officially so as we look at the roster as we look at just just what we know so far gavin what is your level of optimism or concern for this squad heading into 2021 i I'm definitely far more optimistic than I was heading into the season last year. I think with the way that Orlando City finished the campaign, they have addressed most of the needs that they have 
that they had to target coming into this season. Um, at forward, primarily. At left back, primarily. They can still use a little bit more depth on that back line. Um, but for the most part, and I even would probably argue that the central midfield could probably use a, still a, a little bit of a touch-up behind Mauricio Perea because obviously we saw how that worked out when he was not available, um, and they, they haven't really addressed that yet. So we'll see, but I'm very optimistic about where things are heading now um, for this club. Yep, I, I think I'll just reiterate your statement is that we haven't had a time in which we have been optimistic. Well, I, I lie. We've been optimistic about a season, and it always ends oh, yeah. the complete opposite yeah. of how we feel. There's always a sense of optimism with this team because of stuff they do in the offseason. And then most of the time, except for 2020, it has turned the complete opposite way. So it was nice for us to see that we were, thankfully, proven somewhat right. I think. Remember how stupid we were being of the- optimistic about 2018? Ugh. Yeah, God. You could have seen that coming. The complete yeah. and utter collapse of a team. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, it's nice to be it's nice to be on the winning side for once, and let's hope that continues into 2021. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm excited. You know, like I was mentioning before that I miss soccer. Like I obviously we have soccer, but I I miss Major League Soccer. I really miss Orlando soccer. Like I I am so excited for this season to come back. And like we were talking about before the show, you know, with the vaccines coming out, and it's kind of looking very possible. That by, I mean, at least in Florida, it would not shock me if we had full stadiums before the end of the season. But with the fact that the vaccine will be available, likely be available to 300 million Americans by the end of July, I'm excited. I think we're going to be able to not just have soccer soon, but like get back to what really made these games exciting. And that would be 25,000 people together. 25,556. Like I... I'm moving in June, and I would love to be able to go. I don't think we'll have a full stadium by June, but I would love to be able to go to one more game. We'll see whether or not I'm confident in myself to do that, or if I am vaccinated at that point. Yeah, but, play you know, it by we'll ear see. at this point. Yeah. All right. Before we move on from Orlando City, I would just like to state one thing. Ban injuries. That's it. No context. Just, just ban them. No more injuries. <laughs> That's a bold statement. Are you? Should I both sides this? Do, do you? Do you want to? Listen, you know, I'm just saying some injuries have their benefits. You know, if it's not for injury, if not for injuries, you know, Kyle Laren doesn't get his opportunity in 2015. You know, things like that. You know, kind of look no around. No one wants and, to see people injured. <laughs> that that is Gavin. Don't both sides injuries. Come on. Jeez. I, is that the most appalling thing that can be both sides? Uh, no, and you know that. You absolutely <laughs> know that. And so with that, we're going to go ahead and move on. On to the Orlando Pride. Preseason is underway. They have gotten a number of players into camp for the upcoming She Believes tournament. Uh, Aaron McLeod for Canada, who was actually just released from Canada's camp because she picked up a knock, so she's going to be back with the Pride. Um the only one for the U.S. currently, Alex Morgan, because Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger have adopted. Congratulations to Allie and Ash on adopting a little baby girl. 
they announced, I believe, yesterday. Yeah, very exciting time for the two of them. Uh, the kid's name is Sloan Phillips. So now, what, three, four kids for the Pride? Allie and Ash have one. Alex Morgan has one with Servando. And then Sid and, and Dom have two. I mean, just think about 18 years from now, 20 years from now, that group of Sloane, Charlie, and um, Rue just fucking lighten the fucking field up at Explorer Stadium. It's going to be you something to be Well, on his own terms, obviously with Orlando City, but um, obviously the three, these three girls together. Yes. In their own right. Oh, yeah. So. Very exciting times mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Allie and Ash, not with the U.S. Women's National Team. Only Alex Morgan will be for this upcoming challenge, or not challenge cup, the She Believes Cup. She Believes. That starts on Thursday, by the way. Then the uh, next game is on Sunday and then Tuesday after that. So plenty of soccer going on over the next couple days here in Orlando. Um, always good to see a lot of international competition. Just saw the U.S. men's national team play here a couple of weeks ago, and now you get to see the women's national team play again after having just played two games here uh, earlier in the month of January. Or later in the month of January, shall I say. The end of January. Early February. The uh, soccer capital of the South. Yep. And that is that is official now. Like You, you can't argue that. Atlanta. You can't argue that because it's proven now. Everyone wants to come to Orlando to play soccer. They don't want to go to Atlanta. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's fact at this point. Yeah, I mean, has the national team ever even been in Atlanta? In, in, I'm sure they, they... Have they been in Mercedes-Benz Stadium? They I, have been in Atlanta for, for Gold Cups and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm honestly not sure if they've played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't think they have. I don't think so either because maybe the they turf. played in Bobby Dodd. I don't know. I honestly I don't, don't think they. And I definitely don't, don't look think they would have been to Bobby Dodd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, you heard it here first. The United States men's national team absolutely despises Atlanta. Oh, hey, whoa! Let's not go super far here. Come on, man! Journalistic <laughs> okay. integrity listen, here. I, we we got to we got to remain. Listen, from a soccer standpoint, we mm-hmm. despise Atlanta. From uh, everything else, Atlanta is great. We love them, and you know, for for good things that they have done over the last two months, last three, four months, whatever it is, we're thankful for them. There you go. That's that's one way to put it. All right, outside. I mean, of... they they are the home of Coca Cola, though, so that we can shut it all down. I don't care about that. Oh, you're not a Coke uh, fan. Pepsi. You're a Pepsi fan. I'm Kyle is about to run through the front door and drop kick me any second now for saying <laughs> that, but. Yes. Hey man, uh, I'm pretty sure that Pepsi is a sponsor of Orlando City now, so they've they've you're you're, you're in the right side of things according to them. Ah, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. There according to everybody else, I can't speak for everyone else. They <laughs> could come through the front door and just dropkick you immediately, but again, I won't speak for them. I will let the 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 public if they hear this and choose to take up uh, fisticuffs with you, then they absolutely can, and I won't stop them. I would like everybody to tweet at my account, uh, K Foley. Is that what it is? 
Is that my handle? Yeah, K Foley FL to say how much you love Pepsi along with me. Please. K F O L E Y F L. See, no one will do that. Say, I love Pepsi. Don't even tag me. Just say, I love Pepsi. Thank you. Moving on. Other Orlando Pride news. Sydney LaRue signed a three-year contract with a team option for a fourth. A bit unprecedented, all things considered, when it comes to NWSL contracts in general. Like, you don't see contracts last that long, ever, in NWSL. So, it showed a lot of commitment from both the team to be able to offer her that deal in the first place, and also to Sid for be willing to stay in Orlando to most likely close out her career. And I think I think that's that's something to say about not only the coaching staff that is currently here, but also the front office and how a couple of years ago we were kind of you know not quite with it. You know they they were not. They were not a cohesive unit, the front office and the coaching staff. So there was a lot of turnover within the offices. They seem to have figured things out now to the point where they are in the good graces of their star players. You know, like there was a point where Alex Morgan was pissed off at the front office because they told her Servando was going to stay and then they traded him. And now it seems like they've gotten back into the good graces of at least some of the players within the roster of the Pride. And uh, that you can only tip your cap to them and say good job on changing your ways and uh, now get some wins. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, Magna Duffy's arrival has plenty to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I again, won't... it's it's the fact that they went out and hired her in the first place showed mm-hmm. some initiative to try and fix things. Oh, yeah, no. Like over the last, what, maybe year, two years alone, the club has shown plenty of investment in the pride that it still is very clear that they are taking this club seriously and that they want it to be as successful as possible. Good on you, Orlando City front office. And now hopefully Mark Skinner can get some wins for this Pride team. Um, And I talked to Sid when when they announced the roster move where she signed her deal. I asked her about Mark and I said, you know, how, how good is it to just have somebody in your corner like that who can just be there for you you know he was he was singing her praises uh throughout that that press conference that we did with him uh mark skinner specifically i'm talking about and and he just talked about how you know she she's her her ceiling isn't reached yet like he fully believes that she is fully able to continue being great and, and to be better than she has been. All right, actually, I have a small clip from Sid I'll play right now of what she said when I asked her exactly that question. I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, you, you are an athlete and a lot of it is, you know, all on your plate. But I also think it really helps to have people in your corner. Um, and he's always been in my corner. He's always believed in me. He's always made me feel that, you know, I'm not even at my peak yet and he's going to get me there. And I truly believe that that's going to be the case. So there you go with, with Sid and her, her quick comments there. Uh, again, it shores up the offense for Orlando. The belief that the coaches have in her is pretty strong. Like they fully believe that she can lead the line for this pride team. 
with Alex Morgan or without Alex Morgan if she's gone on a way on national team duty. Uh, who knows what this year will entail, but Sid's here to stay, and that's what matters. Now, the last thing for the Pride, Challenge Cup starts on April 9th. As of right now, nothing is official. The rumor is they'll be playing Louisville, North Carolina, and Washington. That is not official yet. They will probably announce it beginning of next month, being March, and then we will know who they're playing, when they're playing, and where they're playing because they could do it in a bubble or they could do it in their home venues who knows at this point only nwsl any other thoughts on the pride before we move on to our last topic of the day none for the moment i'm looking forward to seeing them in action though for this open cup perfect let's talk about the other local teams currently playing so if you need some orlando soccer fix you got the ucf knights the men's and women's teams are both underway. The men's team has played two games. The women's team only one. To this point, the men's team, top 25 in the nation. There's only six teams playing in their conference, and they're only playing a conference schedule. Ten games total. Five home, five away. They've already played one home and one away, which means they've got, you guessed it, four games home, four games away left. And the upcoming game this Saturday is at home. Fans are allowed into the stadium as long as you wear masks. And they're playing their bitter rivals, the University of South Florida. It is the war on I-4. It kicks off at 6 o'clock. And if you can't make it to the stadium, tune in on ESPN Plus and you can hear me and my buddy Ryan Davis calling all the action. And you may even see my face. Has mask compliance at these games been optimal? It has been most, most of it has been decent. Um, I don't think Temple, which is the second game that they played, had any fans. Also, it was like 20 degrees outside, so I don't know who would want to sit outside for 90 minutes to watch a Temple game when they could sit inside and watch it. But the game against Tulsa that UCF played, there was a healthy contingent of fans out there, but most of them were wearing masks and somewhat social distancing, I will say. Uh, They did have security guards kind of enforcing it as well and making sure that uh, everyone was compliant in wearing masks for the most part. So, South Florida, USF, Saturday, 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. You can tune in or come to the game if you feel safe in doing so. That is on the men's side. On the women's side, they're currently 1-0, having also played Temple. They beat them 3-0 on the road in Philly. So, UC have actually played Saturday and Sunday, men Saturday, women Sunday. Uh, it was a much earlier kickoff for the women, but they pretty much held their own and dominated a 3 nothing scoreline at Temple. Their next game is going to be on Sunday at 1 o'clock here in Orlando against Cincinnati. So, you'll, you'll see a lot of games where the men play Saturday, the women play Sunday. That's usually how it will go. And occasionally, those games will overlap where both teams play the same opponent. But most of the time, it's Saturday, Sunday. In this case, both teams are at home. One Saturday, one Sunday. So most of the time, the weekends will have soccer involved. There you go. That's everything I've got for you guys. Soccer is happening here in Orlando. Soccer is going to be happening starting in April for the professional side, but college side... Well, it's happening right now. 
I was going to say, too, you mentioned these games are on ESPN, and there's plenty happening. And ESPN also just added, uh, who did, they just added, what, like the Belgian League or something? Yeah. They added yet another big league, and it's becoming impossible to just not have ESPN Plus on all the time. Or just ESPN Plus in general. Like people still. I've been don't watching more at some point. Um Dortmund games recently and every single game just like Dortmund has not been playing very well lately. So it's just funny to like, oh I'll turn on the Dortmund game. They're winning or they're tied, and then like within five minutes, oh they're losing. Oh, the other team just tied the game. Oh now they took the lead. So I've been having fun with the Bundesliga lately. Yeah, I mean what Bayern was playing today and they were down like Two nothing at one point, and then they pulled it back to three three. Alfonso Davies scored his first Bundesliga goal today. Today and being then, Monday, um, it's a good goal too. ESPN had what was it the FA Cup last week or the Carbro Cup? One of them, I think, and uh, Everton FA. with that the FA Cup. Everton with that, ex- that thrilling victory over Tottenham in extra time. Um, so that was fun. So much, so many good games you can watch over there. Soccer is abound here in twenty twenty one. And with that, we will go ahead and end the show before we hit an hour. Gavin, final thoughts, final concerns, final bad opinions. Um, Christian Pulisic, no longer in favor at Chelsea. So that's been something. He was finally back in the squad today. Did not play. And I believe he's only played like 80 minutes of Thomas Tuchel's like first 400 something since taking over. So that has been a storyline for sure. It, it definitely is. Thoughts? It's a lot of questions. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I I get the people freaking out, but at the same time, you have a new manager. He, I mean, he like here's the thing. Christian out. Pulisic and Thomas Tuchel are well-known with each other. Like, Tuchel coached Pulisic. He was the one yeah, who brought him up. Yeah, that's another funny part is, like, they, they have familiarity. So it does seem to me like most people are freaking out over something where you have he, a coach that is also trying to just – win he's games try- he's, he's trying to he's, he's trying, trying to, to correct what was wrong so like he's trying to figure out what he's was got playing so point. maybe not playing Pulisic is you know right he's also he's, he's also just trying to figure out what he's got at this point like Timo Werner hadn't played in a couple games but he was back in the squad he even scored today mm-hmm. you know so N'Golo Conte hasn't played lately like Kepa was starting today for Chelsea uh, nobody nobody thinks Kepa's any good right now Edward Mendy has had a multitude of shutouts over this course of this year, and he's been good. Ben Chilwell has been decent. Hakeem Ziyech hasn't found his form yet, but he needs to play some games in order to be able to do so. And Kurt Zuma, uh, he's been fairly decent as well, but all of those guys were on the bench. Mm-hmm. So, again, it was Newcastle that they were playing today, but it was a fairly handy victory for Chelsea, both goals coming in the first half. But we'll see what happens with Christian Pulisic as it, the season goes. Um Right now, it's it's not a lot of wing play uh, from Chelsea. It's it's they're playing like a three four three, and the wing backs are, are really doing the the width play. So for you know for guys that play on the wing, it kind of doesn't lend yourself to being able to play. But that's a whole other conversation we can have another day. Let's end this show before we hit an hour. For Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We will see you probably in a month when we come back to update you again. And maybe even sooner if something big drops. Who knows? Who cares? Like we said in the beginning of the show. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.
Bye bye. From the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place.